It's a given. The nation, and especially the federal government, is experiencing a shortage of skilled cybersecurity professionals. That concern is being addressed by the Commission on Cybersecurity for the 44th Presidency. The panel that issued a report in December 2008 has served as a blueprint for President Obama's cyberspace policy review and many of the cybersecurity bills before Congress. This week, the Commission issued a white paper entitled, A Human Capital Crisis in Cybersecurity, Technical Proficiency Matters, and I'm pleased to welcome one of its co-authors, Frank Reeder. Welcome, Frank. Good to be with you, Eric. Characterize the severity of the cybersecurity skills challenge that federal government faces. Yeah, I would expand it and say that American society faces it's very hard to put a number on it, and being a numbers guy, that troubles me a bit. But people in the know estimate that deficiency is probably on the order of 20 or 30,000. Let me qualify that a little bit. What we're talking about here are folks with the high-end skills necessary to both build the technology that's more resilient and to defend it. When you talk about 20 or 30,000, are you talking about this is a shortage of people in government and in American society? In government and in industries that operate critical infrastructure. To talk about government per se is a little bit misleading since most of the people who operate the critical infrastructure on which not only government relies but other sectors rely are in the private sector. Government with a few exceptions, doesn't hire most of the staff who run the technology that it uses to deliver services or process information. And that's part of a tradition that government contracts had a lot of work, or is it because there's just been a recent demand for cybersecurity specialists that the government just doesn't have the wherewithal to find those people? There are lots of reasons, some of them philosophic some of them having to do with the fact that government traditionally has had difficulty hiring these kinds of folks. There are also very good reasons why, particularly in areas that are changing so quickly, the government can be a little bit more agile if it's acquiring these skills through the private sector. The tide has ebbed and flowed a little bit from administration to administration. Republican administrations like to outsource a, a little bit more. This administration has made a commitment to insource, but that's really at the margins. In the high-tech world, everything from the moonshot to the building of atomic weapons has largely been a contracted operation. Again, going back to the twenty to 30,000 number, is there any way to put that in perspective? Do you know how many cybersecurity professionals in these areas exist now? It's hard to get a handle around numbers. I mean, we know, for example, that there are, I believe at last count, 60 or 70,000 people who hold the ISC squared CISSP credential. My guess is that there are probably on the order of 100 to 150,000 folks who would be identified as cybersecurity folks in this larger workforce we're talking about. The deficiency here is, and the number I'm talking about, is not necessarily in, in the aggregate, but rather of the need for people with very highly developed skills, computer forensics, penetration testing, the skills that are critical to a robust and very sophisticated cybersecurity program. Having that shortage of that many people, is that putting our critical systems in major risk? There's little doubt about that. Evidence, again, here is largely anecdotal, but there are lots of examples, a couple of which are cited in the report, that show that the absence of folks with these skills 
clearly puts a lot of the information technology infrastructure at risk, you know, whether that's in the power sector or in the Department of Commerce or in the defense world. Are there a sufficient number of people in our society who would have the skills to be able to develop the kind of skills needed to do these jobs? If you have the faith in the American education system as I do and the quality of the workforce that's always given us, it, it is in, in this world, I think, our comparative advantage. The answer is yes. Are they ready to assume these roles? Absolutely no. And part of your recommendations are to try to get these people to uh, assume these roles. It's a little bit of a, a stock and flow problem in the following sense. If you think about the kinds of recommendations we're making, they're of two types, and these are not unrelated. One goes to the larger question of encouraging through scientific and technical education initiatives through the kinds of things that lots of folks are talking about, building a supply of people who are motivated to go into these fields, uh, encouraging the education system as a number of agencies like NSA and NSF already are to build more rigorous academic programs, and at the other end, creating much more rigorous credentialing processes, whether it's the Department of Defense buying folks for highly classified stuff or industry users operating critical infrastructure, there's a way of identifying people who are competent. I use a metaphor. We live in a world at the moment where it's really hard to distinguish the highly skilled professional from somebody who stayed up all night taking an exam and gotten a credential of some sort. We're a little bit like late 19th, early 20th century medicine. Lots of folks out there practicing, good folks, folks who care about what they do, who don't necessarily always have the skills needed to do it. Our hope is that we can develop a credentialing system that will allow us to distinguish them. The metaphor I like to use is when I have brain surgery, I'd like the person who performs that to be a board-certified neurosurgeon, preferably not a dermatologist, and to give it a little bit more texture. I'd also like the technician who calibrates the machine that produced the image on which the surgeon will rely to have the requisite credentials doing that. So it's both a matter of identifying the subspecialties within the field and the range of skills, the food chain necessary to deliver a service in that area. We are making some progress at the low end. I don't think we're there at the high end, and that's where we think work is needed as well. The paper that you wrote states, it is the consensus of the commission that the current professional certification regime is not merely inadequate. It creates a dangerously false sense of security. They're mighty harsh words. Absolutely. Yes, they are harsh words, and congratulations, you found that that was deliberately intended to call attention to the issue. Let me give you a little bit of background again. Earlier this year, you may recall there were some legislative initiatives that advocated issuing licenses for cybersecurity professionals. The consensus of the commission was not necessarily that licensing ought not to be the end game, but that if you established a regime of licensing today, you would end up licensing folks who don't have the rigorous, practically demonstrated skills that are necessary, with the result that, going back to my somewhat tortured metaphor, somebody like me would go out and find somebody who had a license but who didn't necessarily have the skills and have demonstrated the skills necessary to perform some of these high-end tasks. That's what we meant by that statement, and we're hoping over time that entities will emerge that will issue much more rigorous certifications and that the certifications that already exist will continue as I think they are 
to evolve into much more rigorous indications that the folks who hold them are highly skilled. The impression I got reading your report was that some of these certifications were designed for the paperwork for FISMA and not for this movement towards continuous monitoring. And in fact, I think we say it. The certifications follow the practice. They aren't driving the practice. Much of what is happening in, has happened in the, in the federal government in the last 10 years has been around policy and compliance, issuing CNA certification and accreditations rather than real-time security management. We think that some of the legislative proposals on the Hill will change that, and I think perforce, or at least we hope, that the professional certifications will reflect the change of the practice. I don't accuse the organization that issues certifications of having driven a compliance mentality. They operate in a labor market in which that was demanded. Is it the recommendation of the commission to require individuals to have certain certifications, or is that still something that should be left up to individual agencies or the government as a whole? Well, in point of fact, the Department of Defense already does that. All we're suggesting is that those certifications need to be more role-based, more rigorous, and any certification needs to include not just the ability to answer multiple choice written examination, but include a proctored practical demonstration of the skills in the body of knowledge related to that role. Defense has already decided as a matter of policy it ought to do that. Over time, I would expect that other employers or folks who buy cybersecurity services would similarly say, I'm only going to buy them from, if you will, certified professionals, and the market will drive what occurs simply because the value added of dealing with certified professionals will be obvious. Was that an easy consensus to reach among commission members, or was that an area of debate? Well, the area of debate was more around, and I think continues to be, whether licensing is feasible. In the report, you may recall, we spent a little time addressing some of the concerns that organizations like IEEE and ACM have raised about certifying software engineers. And we appreciate that there are challenges in a field that broad of developing professional certifications that are rigorous and role-based. The concern here was in the commission, not that we shouldn't strive toward developing certifications, but that the certifications weren't mature enough for the commission as a whole to say we're ready to move to licensing. On the other hand, there was relatively little dispute that in defined areas like secure coding, for example, that it ought to be possible to develop a rigorous professional certification and that we ought to proceed incrementally and in areas where there is, and here I'm really parroting the language of ISO 17024, the standard on professional certifications generally, that there needs to be a defined body of language based on roles. There need to be psychometrically sound examinations, and we would add to that uh, not only psychometrically sound, but then include practical demonstration of the skills required to perform that role. The commission was pretty clear on the need for rigorous certifications. Uh, there was some concern that it, those were not mature enough for us to say that we're anywhere close to being able to recommend licensing. That's Franklin Reeder, co-author along with Karen Evans of the White Paper, A Human Capital Crisis in Cybersecurity, Technical Proficiency Matters, issued by the Commission on Cybersecurity for the 44th Presidency. 
In our next podcast installment, Reader will be back discussing the potential of the U.S. cyber challenge in creating a new wave of cybersecurity specialists and the nine cybersecurity occupation skills that the Commission says the government needs to define. Till then, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com. Thanks for listening.